Well, good morning and a very happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. Um, even in this very trying time that we are trudging through right now, uh, certainly we can find plenty of reasons to uh, be thankful to God. And I hope that you have come into this time of worship this morning with a thankful heart. This morning, our subject in our sermon series on the nature of scripture is the necessity of the word of God. And a statement that speaks to the necessity of scripture from church history is found in the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. It's a longer statement this morning, but I think it's well worth our time and our attention. Just before I read the statement, I should point out uh, week by week as we've gone through these statements, if you haven't noticed already, uh, they are saturated with scriptural references. Uh, the authors of these statements were very careful to craft their statements based on scripture, using scripture, alluding to scripture. So they are very scriptural statements. For example, the statement that we're going to read today has at least 10 or 11 scripture passages, references, references that are undergirding it and uh, sort of fueling it. So here's the statement from the 1689 Baptist Confession written by our forebears. Uh, see if you can pick out some of the allusions to scripture that are sort of embedded in this. So here's what it, what it says. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men inexcusable, Yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and his will, which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diversified manners to reveal himself and to declare his will unto his church, and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church, against the cor corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same wholly unto writing, which makes the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now completed. Just notice how the statement essentially, it's a long statement, but it leads up to that part about the written scriptures being most necessary. Again, our topic this morning is the, the necessity of Scripture. Enjoy your time in worship. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, your precepts indeed give us life. Your testimonies and statutes and commandments, Lord, the narrative that you have breathed out is living and active. Uh, it cuts to our hearts. By your spirit, you transform us as he uses his word. And Father, today as we discuss another aspect related to your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, for your help, for your power. Lord, give us alertness and concentration. And may this be uh, something that just 
absolutely glorifies you while bringing us great encouragement and strength in our thinking concerning your word. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. A U.S. Navy diver once described his experience diving deep down into the ocean to places that were deep enough that the darkness became very disorienting. Sometimes, depending on the task or depending on the maneuver that was being performed by the diver, it was difficult to tell which way was up. But the diver knew precisely what he had to do. Here's what he said. He said, I feel around me for bubbles because bubbles always drift up to the surface. And so even if you're disoriented in the depths of a dark ocean, you can orient yourself, you can detect the path upward to the surface by feeling for bubbles. Friends, the Bible, this unified, divinely inspired, divinely authoritative, inerrant book functions sort of like those bubbles in inky black water. The Bible orients us in a darkened world. The Bible has been given us, given to us, in our disorientation. It's been given to us in this fallen, broken world in which we find ourselves. It's been given to us to declare to us which way is up. The Bible is necessary for every single human being living in the time after Genesis 3. The Bible is necessary to rescue us out of our disorientation. As you may have noticed, I wear glasses, and my glasses have relatively strong lenses, in fact, minus 6.5 in both of my eyes. In fact, if I take off my glasses, I really am quite blind. I can't really see much of anything. In fact, anything that's more than about six inches away from my face is completely blurry. And of course, I would never think of driving anywhere, especially at night, without having my glasses on. I absolutely need glasses in order to correct my vision. The Bible is like a strong pair of glasses for each and every one of us. Your spiritual sight and my spiritual sight are both greatly impaired because we have been born with a sinful nature and we commit sins. We can't see clearly. Our spiritual sight is distorted, and the Bible is a necessary pair of glasses, as it were, to correct our spiritual vision. Well, this morning we've talked so far about being disoriented, like the diver in 
dark water, and we've also talked about having bad sight, needing our vision to be corrected. You don't have to look very far at all in 2020 to see evidences, clear evidences, of our disorientation and our lousy spiritual sight, lousy spiritual vision. Just one example, just consider with me for a moment where we are at in our world right now with the whole cancel culture business. Douglas Murray has recently written what I think is some very insightful stuff on this. Here's our reality these days, friends. If you write the wrong sentence on Twitter, if you say the wrong words on Facebook, even if you said them 15 years ago, chances are that somebody is going to dig up your words and you may get canceled immediately. You may lose your job. You may lose your friends. Your life might be summarily trampled upon. There is precious little forgiveness in our cultural climate these days. There is precious little forgetting the verbal indiscretions that someone may have made 15 years ago. It's like people are spending their time, a lot of people are, spending their time mining for past grievances that they can dredge up and then sanctimoniously wield against the people who made the grievances. Forgiveness and grace seem to have gone completely out the window. And I think this is a symptom of our collective spiritual disorientation, our fumbling around in the dark. This self-righteous, cruel, Lack of forgiveness that we see today is a symptom, I think, of our rotten spiritual eyesight. People are finding a sick sort of self-righteousness in punishing those that they feel have transgressed the things that culture has decided upon the day before yesterday, to use Murray's phrase. No forgiveness, hasty shaming, punishment. These things are clear signs, I think, of our spiritual disorientation and our alarming lack of clear vision. And so, it is necessary, necessary, for us as fallen human beings to have revelation provided to us, to have direction given to us, to, to have a corrective, authoritative 
word that comes to us from outside of our confusion. We are spiritually disoriented and spiritually sight-impaired creatures. What we are prone to do on our own, without divine revelation, what we're prone to do on our own is to manufacture gods who are in keeping with our own desires and who inevitably and always being, be, end up being nothing more than a projection of ourselves. And left to ourselves, we seek salvation in all the wrong places. We seek salvation in all the wrong places. For example, most people assume, they assume, or they pretend, that their good deeds in this life will be the thing that guarantees their place with God in heaven. And this, of course, is an utterly false idea and a dangerous idea when we're talking about a person's eternity. Can you start to understand why we need God's special revelation, why we need his God-breathed, authoritative, inerrant Bible, if we are to be oriented properly and if our chronically deficient sight is to be corrected. This morning's subject, friends, is the necessity of Scripture. The necessity of Scripture. Now, the issue of Scripture's necessity came into the spotlight during the 16th and 17th centuries when, as J.I. Packer uh, has put it, when the claim was frequently made that the Roman church, without the Bible, was guide enough for the faithful. Packer explains that the reformers took issue with that particular claim, the reformers asserted that in fact the Bible was the necessary guide for the faithful. They asserted that the Bible, in the words of Packer again, the Bible was necessary for the preservation and the propagation of the gospel and for the securing and spreading of true knowledge of God. When we talk about the necessity of Scripture, we are asserting with the Reformers that the Bible is necessary for knowing God and knowing His will, for knowing the saving gospel, and for the maintenance of our spiritual life. Once again, just so that we get this, the Bible is necessary for knowing God and his will, for knowing the saving gospel, and for the maintenance of our spiritual life. We need the Bible if we would know God. It was crucially important for the reformers that we know not just any God, but the true God. 
that we know the unique, supreme God of the Bible. Because as fallen people, again, we are so prone, every one of us, to create idols. We need God's revelation in the Bible if we would know the true God. It was crucially important for the Reformers that we have a genuine relationship with the true God, that we have assurance, assurance that the one we are worshiping is, in fact, the God of the Bible and not some idol that we have created as a projection of ourselves. Hence, the insistence of the Reformers on the necessity of Scripture. In Scripture, God has done what? He has deposited revelation concerning himself, concerning his character, concerning his contours, concerning his purposes and designs. Now, coming back to our illustration about wearing glasses to correct our eyesight, I get that illustration from the reformer, John Calvin, It was Calvin, writing at the time of the Reformation, who suggested that the Bible is like necessary corrective lenses that bring God and his purposes into focus for us. Listen to Calvin himself. This is from his Institutes of the Christian Religion, written in the 16th century. Calvin wrote, we'll go through this slowly, As the aged, or those whose sight is defective, when any book, however fair, is set before them, though they perceive that there is something written, are scarce able to make out two consecutive words. But when aided by glasses begin to read distinctly, so Scripture, gathering together the impressions of God which till then lay confused in their minds, dissipates the darkness and shows us the true God clearly. God-breathed scripture, friends, is like a necessary pair of corrective lenses for us fallen creatures who have impaired, hampered spiritual eyesight. And I earnestly and I sincerely hope and pray that each and every one of us is spending far more time wearing the glasses, so to speak. So in other words, that we are spending far more time prayerfully delighting in this most precious treasure, the Scriptures, studying the Scriptures, far more time in the Bible these days than we are on CNN or Fox or Twitter or TikTok or Facebook, or Instagram, or Netflix. 
Now, when we argue that the special revelation called the Bible is necessary, that's what we're arguing this morning, if we say that, a question that may arise is the question, well, isn't general revelation enough for us? In other words, isn't our observing God's creation, studying God's workings in creation, studying God's laws in creation, God's fingerprints in creation, isn't that general revelation enough to teach us all we need to know about God? I mean, Psalm 19.1 tells us, does it not, that God's very glory, his very glory, can be seen as we behold the heavens. And the same verse tells us further that God's handiwork, his handiwork is proclaimed where? In the sky above. His handiwork is proclaimed in the sky above. We can see something of God in his created works. Isn't that enough revelation for us? And in Acts chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, we're told also that rain and fruitful seasons are a witness to the goodness of God. We can detect God's goodness in watered crops. Isn't that enough or sufficient for us to understand the character of God? And then there's Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, which declares that God's eternal power and his divine nature can clearly be seen in created things, in the general revelation that he's given to us. So, again, the question... Isn't our beholding of creation, isn't our interaction with general revelation enough to tell us all we need to know about God? Is the special revelation that is the Bible, is it even necessary? And of course, the answer to the question of the Bible's necessity is a resounding yes. The Bible is necessary for us. It is crucially and absolutely necessary because without the Bible, we would not have God's specific revelation of salvation in the only Savior of the world who is Jesus Christ. You see, studying cedar trees... And beholding constellations of stars and measuring the depth of oceans does indeed show us something of God's eternal power. It even suggests to us the very existence of God. But those things will not bring us far enough. General revelation does not give us saving gospel knowledge of God. That knowledge of Christ is found only where in the special revelation that is the Bible. We 
need the Bible. The Bible is 100% necessary if God is to save us from our sin. In the words of Wayne Grudem, quote, The Bible is necessary for salvation in this sense. One must other, uh, sorry, one must either read the gospel message in the Bible for oneself or hear it from another person if one is to be saved. Close quote. Grudem says further, There is no possibility of coming to saving faith apart from the specific knowledge of God's words of promise. Close quote. Yes, friends. 1 Peter 1.23 says that the way human beings are born again is only through the imperishable seed which is the living and abiding Word of God. And the the Apostle Paul affirms in 2 Timothy 3.15 that it's the sacred writings, the sacred writings, he says to Timothy, which are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We need this revelation that is the divinely exhaled, authoritative, inerrant, living and active Bible. We need it if we would be rescued by the Christ that it reveals from our sin. Packer says, the scriptures which are listen to the words, which are the literary embodiment of the historical manifestation of Christ. Make sure you catch that. Once again, the scriptures, which are the literary embodiment of the historical manifestation of Christ, are, he says, the only fount from which knowledge of salvation can be derived. I think we need to go through that one more time just so we grasp what Packer says here. It's so important. Once again, he says the scriptures, which are, what are the scriptures? The literary embodiment of the historical manifestation of Christ. The scriptures are the only fount from which knowledge of salvation can be derived. Listen very carefully, friends. We are saved by Christ And by his blood, we are not saved by Scripture per se, but Scripture is necessary to provide us with the literary embodiment of the historical manifestation of Christ so that God, using his revelation of Christ's work, might save us. Well, hold on a second Dunbar, somebody says. I've been following along here, and you almost make it sound as if the Bible itself, this written revelation, is somehow more important or holds a place of primacy even over the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, you haven't really mentioned the Holy Spirit here, Dunbar. Are you implying that the Spirit takes a secondary role or sort of a backseat to the actual written Bible? And my answer to that question is a definitive no, I'm not implying that. The Spirit of God is not in any way, shape, or form secondary to the Bible. The Spirit does not take a backseat to the written Word of God. And we're going to talk at greater length in a couple of weeks concerning the relationship of the Bible to the Spirit and the Spirit to the Bible. But for now, let's just say this. Word and Holy Spirit, Word and Holy Spirit must never be separated. Word and Holy Spirit, Bible and Holy Spirit must never be separated. The balance that we want to try to strike is reflected in Isaiah 59 verse 21 where the servant has both the Spirit upon him and God's words in his mouth. The Spirit is upon him and God's words are in his mouth. Word and Spirit, Spirit and Word, the two go together and they must not be separated. The 17th century Reformed theologian Francis Turretin helps us understand the basic relationship between the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully to this. Turretin wrote, Quote, the Bible works objectively, the Spirit efficiently. The Bible strikes the ears from without. The Spirit opens the heart within. The Spirit is the teacher. Scripture is the doctrine which he teaches us. One more time, Turretin said, the Bible works objectively, the Spirit efficiently. The Bible strikes the ears from without, the Spirit opens the heart within. The Spirit is the teacher, Scripture is the doctrine which he teaches us. I think Turretin is very helpful there. The Holy Spirit wields the word that he breathed out. The Spirit finds the Bible necessary. He employs this revelation of his, the Bible, and he does that to do his saving, sanctifying work in us. Well, in our discussion of the necessity of the Bible, we might also point out that the Bible is 100% necessary for our right relationship with the risen Jesus. Again, the Bible is 100% necessary for our right relationship with the risen Jesus. In fact, I would go so far as to say, listen, I'd go so far as to say that right now, we cannot have a relationship with Jesus without the Bible. If somebody claims that he or she has a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they love Jesus, 
but that person is unaware or ignorant of the specific things that Jesus said and that he commanded, then we have every reason to question whether that person is actually in a loving relationship with Jesus. Why do I say that? I say that because in John 14, Jesus stresses three times, three times in that chapter, that to love him means keeping his commandments, keeping his word. No keeping the word of Jesus, no love for Jesus. It's as simple as that. And where do we find his word? Where do we find his commandments so that we may keep them out of love for him? We find them only in the Bible. And so the Bible is necessary for us to be in a right relationship with Jesus, to learn and to know the commandments of Jesus so that we may keep them out of love for him. We might put it like this, that the Bible is necessary, friends, necessary, non-negotiably necessary for our discipleship, for our relating to Jesus and for our obeying him. And the written scriptures are also necessary for what Francis Turretin called the ongoing propagation of the faith through the ages. And this also was reflected in the 1689 Baptist Confession that we read earlier in the service. Necessary for the propagation of the faith, for the spreading and the dissemination of the gospel in the whole world in every generation. John Calvin also spoke of the necessity of a written Revelation, Calvin said that God's written revelation is necessary, quote, in order that the truth might abide forever in the world with a continuous succession of teaching and survive through all ages, close quote. And he also said a written revelation is necessary to ensure that what God says, listen, quoting Calvin, to ensure that what God says should neither perish through forgetfulness nor vanish through error nor be corrupted by the audacity of men, close quote. A written revelation from God is necessary then for the truth of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be trumpeted through all ages of human history. And we might also point out this basic fact. We've already touched on this throughout the sermon series, and the basic fact is that the Bible is necessary for you, believer, that you may have life and that you may have light Psalm 119, verse 50, the psalmist says to God, listen to what he says here, your promise, where do we find the promise of God? In the scriptures. Your promise, he says, gives me life. The life-giving promise of God right here in scripture, and it's life-giving. 
In the Bible, we have the promise of God, life. John 6, 68, Christ's words are the words of eternal life. And we have those words again in the pages of Scripture, the words of Jesus. And then we have Deuteronomy 8, 3, we live by what? By every word, where do we find the words of God? In the Bible. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Or Deuteronomy 32, 47, God's word is our very life. And God's word is light for us. Our minds have been darkened because of sin. And God comes with the light of his 66 book, Canon. He comes with the light of his Holy Spirit working with that canon and sealing it on our hearts so that we can know him. Psalm 119.105, we've quoted it often, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 2 Peter 1.19, God's word is a lamp shining in a dark place. The Bible is necessary if we would enjoy the life of God and the light of God. Well, I want to work this toward a close this morning by giving you now five separate statements from five different biblical scholars on the necessity of Scripture Taken together, I think these five statements give us kind of the bottom line on why Scripture is necessary in our fallen world. And this will help us, I think, to cement some of this maybe into our hearts and minds. So we're going to go chronologically here very quickly from the oldest guy to the newest. First is John Calvin, writing in, in the 16th century. Calvin said this, Suppose we ponder how slippery is the fall of the human mind into forgetfulness of God, how great the tendency to every kind of error, how great the lust to fashion constantly new and artificial religions. Then we may perceive how necessary was such written proof of the heavenly doctrine that it should neither perish through forgetfulness nor vanish through error nor be corrupted by the audacity of men. Close quote. The Bible is utterly necessary in our fallen world, my friends. The second assertion of Scripture's necessity comes to us from the Dutch Reformed theologian Herman Bavink. Bavink lived in the latter part of the 19th century into the 20th. And here's what he said. He said, quote, There is no knowledge of Christ apart from Scripture. No knowledge of Christ apart from Scripture. No fellowship with him except by fellowship in the word of the apostles. Yes. To know Jesus and to experience fellowship with him means having his word. The Bible is necessary for knowledge of Christ and for fellowship with him. 
The third strong statement on Scripture's necessity comes from J.I. Packer, who went on to his reward only this year, by the way. Packer wrote this, quote, The revealed word is necessary for the knowledge of God because, on the one hand, God has simply given and appointed it for this purpose and commands that it be used accordingly. On the other hand, says Packer, sin has so darkened human minds that they cannot know God apart from the light that Scripture brings. Or rather, he says, they cannot know God apart from the light that the Holy Spirit brings by sealing Scripture on human hearts. Close quote. Notice there how Packer insists on word and spirit, spirit and word, working in unified concert with one another. Our second to last statement comes from the important theologian and philosopher John Frame, who is still alive today. Speaking of why scripture is necessary, Frame says this, No amount of instruction in ancient culture, the history of religion, or philosophy can give one the wisdom he needs to tell people how to get right with God. Only God can do that. Close quote. And of course, God has done that, hasn't he, in giving us the Bible. The Bible is necessary for us if we would know what it is to be right with God. And then the fifth and final statement is from a theologian who was born actually only three years earlier than I was born, uh, Timothy Ward. He's written a book on Scripture. And he says that Scripture is necessary. Why? Because without such a word, our knowledge of God would be insufficiently grounded, unreliable, and even, we might say, too subjective. One more time. Scripture is necessary because without such a word, our knowledge of God would be insufficiently grounded, unreliable, and even, we might say, too subjective. So there you have five strong voices from both the past and the present moment all together saying pretty much the same thing on the importance of the necessity of Scripture, the importance of this doctrine and why Scripture is so necessary. Well, friends, it's Thanksgiving weekend, as you know. I am thankful this morning, and I hope you are too, that God deemed it necessary to give us the Bible. This exhalation, divine exhalation of revelation. So that we might come to salvation in Jesus Christ. So that we might learn to follow Jesus Christ. And so that the gospel could be propagated through the ages across the globe. globe and so that we would all have light and life, the food that God wants us nourished by in our pilgrimage toward the new creation. To come back to our initial illustration, we have the bubbles, so to speak, in our darkened, disoriented 
condition, the bubbles that show us which way is up. We have God's revelation. And in the Bible, we also have the necessary glasses to correct our darkened, hampered spiritual vision. Praise God for his word. This week, won't you take time to give hearty thanks to God for your Bible, even as you open it and read it and enjoy your devotional time with the Lord? Let's pray. Father, you saw the need for this revelation, your God-breathed revelation, because our hearts and minds are in the dark, Lord, as fallen people. We thank you for the light of your word and the light of your Holy Spirit, both of which work together to give us life, to give us eternal life, to lead us along to salvation in Jesus Christ. Father, you are so good to us, and we are so thankful for you and for your word on this Thanksgiving Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.